Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JBL here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Timothy Miller of The Bulwark. Happy New Year. Happy McCarthy-mas. Hmm. Can we say that? We'll get to the Kevin McCarthy stuff in a minute. Uh, first, I want to say to everybody, subscribe. Hit all the follow buttons. Hit the like buttons. Hit the subscribe buttons. And also... If you live in the Pacific Northwest or in Southern California, come and hang out with us. We're going to be out in L.A. on January 19th. Is that right? 19th. It's a Thursday. Uh, doing an event with John Favreau, which is going to be fantastic. We will be then up in Seattle a couple days later with Dan Savage. Kind of a different vibe, but it's going to be a great show. And we're going to have the three of us together with special guests and all of the people from the Bulwark community. It's going to be really, really fun. Go to thebulwark.com slash events and uh, go pick up a ticket. Come see us. It'll be great. A lot of people coming to Seattle. A lot of people coming to Seattle. And well, they're making a weekend of it. A lot of L.A. people coming. The L.A. thing, I think that people should think about that. It's a Thursday night. You can take Friday off, you know, or you can come on Central Coast. We have Central Coast people drive on down, make a little road trip. San Diego people. San Diego people. Why aren't you coming to San Diego, they say. San Diego's drivable. You could do it. <laughs> <laughs> we had people from the last one who came from Alaska. From Alaska. To D.C. So you can make it up from San Diego. So it'll be good times. Okay, so on Tuesday, we had the first floor fight for the House Speakership in 100 years. And we went through three ballots in which Kevin McCarthy was denied his speaker's gavel. The first unsuccessful floor fight. The first unsuccessful, because Boehner had one, but he, he eked it out. Yeah. Yeah, Boehner had one, and he eked it well, out. Well, Kevin was very sad. He was very sad yesterday. And uh, as we are taping, they are finishing vote number four, and we have the same 20 people who are against McCarthy, the same 20 defectors. There is a lot to unpack here, and I think we should just start with the candy. Mm. It feels good, doesn't it, to watch bad things happen to bad people? It does. I'm going to chime in there because I don't want Sarah to ruin the moment here by trying to, you know, be in the holiday spirit and, <laughs> you know, care about the norms. Okay, let's just let, let me just enjoy the candy cane with you for a second. And um, it is nice. The smirking Kevin face. I kind of I just sort of want like a, mm. a to, to get a framed just like a little small <laughs> framed photo of the smirking Kevin face as he has to just sit there on the floor and take it over and over again, hour and hour again, just kind of his like little Muppet face turning all red and just kind of having to do the, oh, shucks, guys, oh, looks like I'm going down again. It's painful. It's one of the most humiliating. It's kind of, it's British almost. Like, we don't really do this kind of thing in America. Like, no. um, you know, it's like this is about as humiliating of a experience as somebody can go th could go through. We never hold votes that we don't already know the outcomes to. Right, yeah. Back 100 years ago when Mr. Gillette lost... It was still taking a while to get onto the talkies, and uh, I mean, there was it's, it's a lot different now. The the C-SPAN camera on his face. I did want the picture in picture. I emailed Jesse Rodriguez, my friend at MSNBC, and I was like, can I get a steady cam on Kevin for day two? Just the reactions. Yeah, unfortunately, C-SPAN controls all the cameras. I don't have a source there. So maybe if yeah. somebody at C-SPAN is listening, we could use a steady cam on, cam on Kevin for day two. So the pain is good. He deserves it. He earned it. He brought this on himself. I think this is the most important thing. He brought it on himself. He made a lot of decisions he did not have to make. He did not have to go down to Mar-a-Lago de Gravel. He did not have to whip votes 
for the coup. You know, he did not have to go support the like crazy fucking candidates in primaries like John Gibbs in Michigan. And, he, you know, he could have made different choices that maybe might not have led to the speakership, but might have led to dignity being maintained or might have led to the Republicans winning more House seats, which would have given him a little bit more buffer. Um, he did not make the, the, those choices. He made bad choices and he's being punished for them. And that is that's just something you like to see every once in a while. People being punished for bad choices. Sarah, is your innate goodness so powerful that you can't derive even a tiny shred of enjoyment out of this? I don't know what you guys are even talking about. I've been watching this <laughs> with just the most glee uh, <laughs> oh, of anybody. But, here's the re- but, but the reason is, is, and it really is about Tim's last point, watching somebody make their bed and then have to lie in it is satisfying, it right? Is. So I believe for norms and institutions to be upheld, right, there must be accountability. Now, we're getting kind of an orthogonal version of accountability (laughs) here. It is coming at the hands of the absolute worst people in the Republican conference. And yet, I saw something yesterday that just made my heart skip a beat. And it was, if you had the 10 impeachers still, that that would likely make the margin for Kevin McCarthy. If the impeachers hadn't all gone down. And so, yeah, no, this is his own fault. And look, I think that there's a whole bunch of interesting things going on here, though. But I do, I do take pleasure just in the sheer humility. And, and one of the things that's, you know, it's funny when you talk about humiliation. There's a lot going on that is not about Trump, like straightforwardly, but still Trump undergirds it all. And one of them is how much he raised their threshold, maybe even their fetishization and desire for ritualized humiliation. Right? Like Kevin McCarthy has learned to take the humiliations and just withstand them and still try to sort of claim victory. And in fact, that is what these 20 people have learned as well, right? A bunch of them learned that as long as you're the center of attention, as long as you're the one everyone is focusing on, be the squeaky wheel. Doesn't matter if everyone's mad at you, there will always be some pocket of the media ecosystem or or voters or somebody who's telling you that you're a champion. It makes you a celebrity and a star, and that's all what matters more. And so, like, Kevin's being humiliated. We're watching it happen. And yet he's built up a certain tolerance for that that is allowing him to withstand this. I mean, they're going to go on to a fifth roll call vote here. Anyway, I like it too. I'll take accountability however I can get it at this point. But on some level, it's bad for the country, right? Like, this is sort of ridiculous that we can't govern. But actually, it's good. It is good for the Republican Party to have to face what it has wrought by sort of bringing, allowing these people to control things, right? They all brought this on themselves, not just Kevin. All of them have tolerated this. This All of them everywhere. Like the Wall Street Journal editorial page, which today was talking about, oh, what a mess, so much. Yeah, you built this. Yeah. You guys built this. Yeah. And this is the other Trump element of this, which was what I wrote about yesterday with regards to Crenshaw, right? It's like, they, they built this both in what Sarah's talking about in the culture of the party and kind of what, what the incentives are within the party. Right. But, but they also built it literally in the membership. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In the literal sense in the membership. And this is a big Bill Crystal thing, right? Because Bill's a, you know, old gray beard who gets called from somebody who graduated Harvard and went to the Marine Corps and is like, I'm thinking about running for Congress. You know, Bill's the kind of person that that person calls. That person, when they were calling Bill over the past four years, is kind of like, am I even a Republican? anymore? Should I run as a Democrat? Should I just wait out the pain? Right? Like the types of people that that are adults, 
that are responsible that want to want responsible governance, like their mien is conservative, that are that are in, instinctually conservative. They didn't run for Congress the past three years, six, three terms, the most part, because they don't want to be part of the shit show. They don't want to be on Trump's ballot. Yeah. Who did who did run? The the lady that owns a gun themed you know, restaurant in Rifle, Colorado, right? Like she run, she ran for Congress, you know, not the type of person that might have run from that district, right? Like the 26 year old Mike Gallagher is not rushing out. Right. right. Mike Gallagher's speech today is an example. Like he looked like, oh, this is what we wanted the party to be like 10 years ago. Sorry, Mike, you might've been the speaker when he was nominating Kevin today. It was like, oh, this is yeah. what this is a guy that might have been on the speaker track, like had had we had the party gone a different path. But but he sounded like an outlier. I was like, you're not convincing any of these people, Mike. And, and so who came, who comes in? The sh- the charlatans, the people that pretend to be charlatans, like Matt Gates, right? Like Matt Gates, maybe in a different world would have pretended to be a responsible governing person because he's like a rich kid whose dad is a normal person. And but but no, what what Matt Gates's incentives is to you know play to the crazies, right? Byron Donalds, the person that they nominated, is is like a total uh, he was he was arrested you know for bank fraud <laughs> that's their nominee today like that is the person's nominee is, is byron donalds who in 2000 was uh, was arrested for what was it a felony bribery charge as part of a scheme to defraud a, a, a bank right like these are the types of people that that got drawn in okay that are running now and so they were the trump appealed to them the party appealed to them and so now they're going to act like trump and so they're all going to act like narcissistic, childish buffoons. And, and so this is the caucus that you get. So I have a question for you guys. Let, we'll stay with Trump here for a moment. So Trump's endorsement of Kevin initially was not a full endorsement. It was a sort of, yeah, I think he's earned the chance. Then he started backing away from, I believe it was on Tuesday night, started slightly backing away from McCarthy and then came sort of all in. Today with a like, look, these these Republicans ought to just take the win. They got to make the deal here. And da, 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 da. Does Trump have any prestige on the line here, too? Interesting that Ron DeSantis has said nothing about who should be the House Speaker. It's uh, we've got good strategic salience coming out of out of Tallahassee. Sarah, what do you think? I don't know that I think Trump has that much on the line other than other than what is interesting to me is that. This is a perfect example of why you have to separate Trump the man from Trump the forces he's unleashed on the party. Because Matt Gates and uh, Scott Perry and all of these dopes who are in this group of 20 who are doing this, right, they are – they're Trumpists. Like they're some of the most MAGA people. But the thing is – and this is one of my favorite Tim formulations – um, you Thank know, you. my, be- my best one is Republican triangle of doom, but your best one is the MAGA establishment. Like there's a whole Marjorie Taylor Greene aspect, right? Because she's now an ally of McCarthy because he has promised her things because he thought if he could just get MTG on board, she'd bring the rest of the crazy caucus with her. But that's not what happened. It's caused a schism in the crazy conference, which is awesome because you can realize Marjorie Taylor Greene, if you give her treats, uh, and tell her she will be powerful. She will come along. But they are all part now of the MAGA establishment. The Gates, they are part of the MAGA forces unleashed, which is that they recognize a different level of incentives and the media ecosystem that will reward them and all of those things, right? And so Trump, what 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 I think is what he's losing here is the fact that Trump last night, clearly by putting out this statement, 
what it shows is that there's like a wing beyond Trump, yes. right? This chaos wing, and that Trump is part of the MAGA establishment. And to me, that's the most interesting dynamic we're seeing shape up with Trump. But I'm not sure, like, from a credibility, you know, like, does yeah. Trump up or down? It's I don't know that it makes that much difference. You know, I got to say this about Marjorie Taylor Greene. I can't, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think her endorsement of McCarthy was a sign that she genuinely believes all of her own crazy and wants to get things done. The things she wants to get done are horrible, but she's she's and detached really, from reality and detached from reality. But she is there because she wants to get to the bottom of Jewish space lasers and realizes that you got to work within the system. And Matt Gates is there to eventually get a show on Newsmax. Yeah. Right. I mean, that Matt, Matt Gates is not in Congress to change policy. I think this is a point about the Trump and the MAGA establishment that Sarah's thing. Matt Gates is saying, I don't know, maybe I'm there to be senator or governor or presidential nominee one day. Or maybe it's a show on Newsmax. I don't think he knows, right? But he knows that it's like the, this performance that is what matters, right? That like the positioning is what matters. And, and he's positioning himself as being not part of the elite, cuckolded, globalist, whatever word you want to use, Kevin McCarthy types, right? Like, he's not one of those. He's a fighter. He's going to fight. I, I think back to your focus group, Sarah, remember we were talking about the, uh, we are in Alabama maybe during the primary, or in Florida, it was in Alabama and Florida, and they're like, for the, they wanted somebody that was, you know, going to actually get things done. For, for certain offices, right? But then when it came to Congress, they were like, I don't know why my congressman hasn't been doing things like Marjorie Taylor Greene has and like Matt Gates have, right? Like their perception of like what you do in Congress is this. Like like vote the Republican base voters, what they want from their Congress people is to, you know, be a, you know, put a stick in the spokes. Be on the Bannon's war room. Yeah, be in the Bannon war room, put a stick in the spokes of the establishment and screw things up and create problems. That's what they want from their people in Congress, right? And so Matt Gates is is giving them what they want right now, which is a separate thing from doing exactly what Donald Trump says. Yeah, and this is, again, what's funny. So right now, I've been seeing this weird formulation in the press where it's like the moderates in the Kevin McCarthy wing versus like the far right. And I'm like... This is the difference. The difference is not moderate versus far right. The difference is chaos agents who believe that the government should just be ground to a halt by them and every day that it dysfunctions or doesn't function or whatever is a good day. Gates tweeted something like this, like the loser today is like Ukraine funding and the, you know, whatever, because they're not doing anything. The, the, it, so it's not like the McCarthy wing, though, is like the good governance people. It's that they're the ones who want to launch investigations. They want to impeach Mayorkas. Like I heard Dan Crenshaw being like, you know, the American people don't want this chaos. What they want is for us to get rid of Joe Biden's 187 new IRS agents. And I was like, <laughs> is that their main goal? Like, is that the main thing they want? I don't know. Like the normal people that we're even talking about, they're so long gone. Like the met, the, the line has just oh, uh, yeah. shifted so far. But And then one other point I wanted to make before I forget it. I will say one of the big winners in all of this is the American people, as we get more and more of a civics lesson into our institutions, because so many of these things used to be rubber stamps, right? Certifying elections, electing a speaker of the house. They were just things that just happened and nobody paid that much attention to them. They were ceremonial. 
boy, am I learning so much by sitting and being like, so what happens when they go to the fifth round? Like yesterday, <laughs> we were all trying to figure out like, and we're trying to, like Kornacki's got his board out. What happens if you just vote present? And it's, I'm sitting here being like, I'm sorry, why can't, Akeem Jeffries has now won four floor votes. <laughs> why can the Democrats not make some kind of play at this point? I want to answer that. Uh, just a really quick on the funny thing about learning things. Me and Tyler were doing this yesterday. We were like, so who is next in line to the presidency? You know, if like uh, if Biden and Harris like both went down tonight, like who is it? And it's Patty Murray, the incoming Senate pro tem. And so then we were like, and we don't have an answer to this. So I don't know, maybe a constitutional scholar can email us. But so then if that were to happen and Patty Murray was to ascend to the presidency, boy, what an own goal by the Republicans because they would have lost. <laughs> because it's not like it would go back to whoever they elect speaker, right? Like once you're in there, you're in there. It's not like you can kind of revert it and say, no, actually it would have been Kevin McCarthy. So anyway, the, the, the line of succession is a little in question at the moment. Here's why the Democrats can't cut a deal. This is very important because I had a lot of people tweeting at me about this. Um, th there isn't a Republican caucus to work with. And I know Sarah has been missed optimism and has been proven correct in a number of occasions about getting Republicans to, to vote with Democrats on things like infrastructure, et cetera. And, and kudos to Sarah for being right about that. And I've, I told you you should have done a victory lap um, in the bulwark on that front. But this Republican conference is even less amenable than the last one. Right. Sure. We've lost the. And so your your pool of people like let's just play. Let's just play a, a parlor game and be serious. Your pool of potential people that you could get to go with Hakeem Jeffries. He needs six people. I think uh, he's got two twelve. So he needs five or six. You've got the two impeachers, I guess, Valaday and Newhouse. But they yep. are like the two least West Wingy centrist impeachers yep. of the ten. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so it's not that likely. You've got maybe one or two new normies. You got this Mike Lawler out of New York, who's the guy who like spoke out against Trump and against Santos. But even him, I was watching him on Fox, a clip of him, and he's like, we need McCarthy to be speaker to shut down the Joe Biden socialist agenda, right? So it's like even the new guy is kind of like, okay, this guy's going to be a stretch to, but maybe you get him to get a Fred Upton or something, right? And then you have the closet normals, right? You've got like Don Bacon in Nebraska, Fitzpatrick, Nancy or Fitzgerald, yeah. whatever it is, Nancy Mace. But like there are really only like five of them. Right? Like six. I mean, how many of that are we really talking about? You know, Nancy Mace, uh, Gallagher, but he just nominated McCarthy. So you've got, let's just, let's just up it to eight, right? You got eight closet normals. You got two normal new people and you got the two impeachers. That's 12. So you need to get half of them, right? And, and these are not people that were, that showed a lot of courage during the Trump years. I mean, like none of these people are impeachers. A few of them supported the January 6th committee being formed, right? So it's just, it's in theory possible, but like the pool of people from which to recruit for, for this is so small for the Democrats. Here's my deal. I've been on the record many times saying, this is West Wing fantasy politics. No one should play it. Yeah. That was before they got to a fifth round of voting, yeah. right? So here's the thing. I think the Democrats should have plan for something like where there's an opening for a play. And even if the play is, Hey, Kevin, we'll give you 20 votes, but guess what? We want to negotiate some things up front. Like you, we want to release you from these terrorists, but you know what we want? A smooth debt ceiling debate. You know, we're going to raise the debt ceiling without screwing around and we're going to give us, I don't know what, some like committees, something. You can't do that for Kevin because he vote because, no. because of the Trump vote. Yeah. That's bad for Democrats politically. So I think there's a troll route, 
Yeah. Which is to say, to have somebody go up and nominate, like, you know, Ted Lou and or like somebody who's a, a troll and say, let's nominate David Valadeo, right? Or Liz Cheney and say, like, we're going to nominate one of the impeachers just as like a troll. But that's not actually going to happen. The real route, right, is to try to find somebody that would do it, which is not McCarthy, who didn't vote to overturn the election. You can't do that, right? So you have to find somebody else you know, Don Bacon, right, or whatever. Yeah. But the problem is whoever does that is, has committed suicide then. You're speaker, but then you're done. And you, you've done a Liz Cheney, right? And so, like, now you got to find six people to commit suicide over this. It's just, like, I, I just find it very hard to game it out. Well, this is the problem, right? Both sides have incentives running the other direction because it is, as you say, suicide for whatever Republican would accept the help. Yeah. And for the Democrats, you know, like, they are showing – total and complete unity together as a party, and they look like a party which governs and does stuff, right? Which, you know, passes bills, right? Right now, as the fourth vote was taking place, Mitch McConnell was at an event with Joe Biden uh, unveiling a big infrastructure project in Kentucky, which was paid for by the bipartisan infrastructure bill, right? And this is, I don't know, like, this is the 2024 campaign, Right. And so you can have one party which wants to fight over critical race theory and relitigating the 2020 election and one party which is like, these are the 15 bills that we passed and these are the next 15 bills that we want to pass. Uh, we're just here to do governing. And, you know, even if, if old man Biden is your nominee, I think that is a, a viable proposition. Maybe not the perfect proposition, maybe not the best proposition, but it's viable. So I think the proposition is different than that because I don't think the American people are like that enamored of the bills that have gotten passed uh, in many cases. I think they should think of a play. Like what would they most want to get out of this? But I'm also – the idea that they right now actually what they want to get out of this is just the contrast view. It's just the split screen of like crazy versus – Eh, look look at us over here normal. Not like we passed lots of good legislation and we're great for governance and because lots of people don't like their governance. But like the idea, and this is where I think Democrats have really been able to make some headway over the last few years is to shake off the idea that like they're the crazy ones. Because right now they look like the normal ones and the Republicans look like they can't get it together. And yeah. I don't know if you watched any of the shows last night, but like they were taking different editorial lines in terms of whether they supported the 20 or whether they supported McCarthy. But everyone seems to agree that they all look like idiots. So that's bad for them. Where were the Fox people? Where, where did the Fox hosts in primetime go on this? Because that was the, the big thing yesterday. The big thing on Tuesday was the deputy whip of the Republican conference saying – well, maybe Tucker and Ben Shapiro and Sean Hannity will force these guys to move. What, what an unbelievable abdication of responsibility and admission of where the power within the House conference lies, right? The guy whose job it is it is to go out and twist arms says, I don't know, we'll see what the TV people say. Yeah. That's nuts, right? I mean, that is, that is just an open admission. It's saying the quiet part out loud that like, Look, we don't have any control over anything. It's all about what the entertainment wing says. They drive the party. That's crazy, right? We have nothing to offer them. Yeah, I think Hannity took a different line than Tucker took. And I'm only working off of Twitter clips here, so anybody can feel free to correct me. But on Tucker, he was taking shots at McCarthy. And on Hannity, he was, like, bemoaning the clown show and, like, they needed to get it together. And I didn't see anything on Laura. Tim, you had any insight on the Fox News lineup? No, I mean, Laura expressed a lot of frustration with just like looking crazy and kind of gave Chip Roy a little bit of the business, 
of like, mm. what's your plan here? Like, what's your plan? Like, do you guys have a plan here? And like, Chip doesn't, right? And so, I, yeah, I do think that they're all split, right? They're split in the same ways to just as we were saying about how the caucus is split. Like, this is a fight about nothing. Yes. This is a fight about nothing. Sometimes you get a little too far in the weeds. Like I'm watching the daytime MS stuff and like they'll have some of the Hill reporters on. They're like, well, so they have some concerns about the motion to vacate one versus three and the amendment filing process. And it's like, no, that, that's not, I mean, that Chip Roy might have a list of like 40 theses to pin to, to McCarthy's wall. <laughs> but like the other 18 of these bozos don't fucking have anything, right? To Perticone, we haven't shouted out his new newsletter, by the way, Joe Perticone's press pass Bulwark newsletter over at the Bulwark. He's at the Hill for us. Like his newsletter anecdote encapsulates this, right? It's Crenshaw cussing at Cloud. Cloud is one of the 20. And Cloud you know, like doesn't have an answer. Crenshaw is like, what do you guys want? Like, what the fuck do you guys want? Like he's F-bombing at Cloud and like he doesn't have an answer because they he does they don't want anything. They want Kevin McCarthy's scalp. That's what they want, right? Right. Yeah, that's it. They just want a scalp, they want to win. And they they uh, they want to win this fight. They don't care if it's Scalise. I will say though, Tim raised something. We were talking about this in the Slack, and I want to talk about it. Which yeah, is sure. like, what's the strategy here? Because what we just watched. So right right now, I don't know if they're voting on round five right now. Not yet. But they just did round four. And it looks like there was they they gained one, but it was an abstention. One person abstained. <laughs> and is that that Victoria, the woman? No no no. She voted for Donalds. Mm. So they got twenty. Yeah, they got twenty plus okay. an abstention. Twenty plus an abstention. Okay, so. So it didn't move either way. It sounds like they're locked in on their 20. But they put up a different person. So yesterday they put up Jim Jordan. Yesterday Jim Jordan was the only man for the job and the guy mm -hmm. who must lead this caucus. And today it was like, yeah, no, we got this other dude who's absolutely the savior and we all have to vote for. It's incoherent as a, as a position for Chip Roy and these people to take. I actually think that they're a little weaker than they seem. Sarah, go ahead. Here's what's funny. Both sides have a real strength. Kevin McCarthy has a lot, lot more votes than these other guys. However, they have enough and locked in and they can do this forever, right? So like somebody has to blink. And for them to blink, what I can't figure out is like they both think, oh, we're going to wear the other side down, which I guess is true at some point. At some point, people start moving. But I think you can't beat something with nothing. And I think that the yeah. Donalds thing was like, no, that didn't make any sense. Nobody's heard of this guy. This is not somebody everyone's just going to coalesce. Or, but like, is the goal to wear people down so then you can be like, okay, we'll take Scalise. And everybody's like, fine, Scalise. And McCarthy even says, well, at least Scalise is my boy. We're close. Uh, I can, you know, this is better than doing this for another, you know, two weeks. Or does McCarthy say, I will die doing this? Here's my take on, on this. So just as just by way of update, um, it was Victoria Sparks of Indiana who, who voted present. So that was an intentional move off of McCarthy to present. Um, so he mm -hmm. did lose a half, I guess he lost. But, but, you know, thinking about it from a momentum perspective. While you guys have been talking, I've been monitoring, uh, like watching on the screen over here. McCarthy's body language has changed a little bit in between the fourth and the fifth vote. He was getting very upset, kind of waving his arms at, at Jim Jordan. You didn't see that yesterday. He kept the smirk on all day yesterday, the smiley smirk. He was getting upset at Jim Jordan, and and there was a group of the Mike Gallagher types that were in a semicircle around Matt Gates, while Matt Gates is like pointing at them. Like it's not anyway. Not a body language expert. Didn't see Mike Matt Gates is backing down. 
Jake Sherman says Matt Gates is working on a new, you know, there's somebody that I've never heard of that he's working on um, on the floor right now to add. Right now, Warren Davidson of Ohio, who took John Boehner's seat, is like another one of these yesterday's men Republicans, is nominating McCarthy. So again, not, it's not the type of person you put up if you're showing strength and gaining with the, with the nihilists, right? You'd put up Marge, Marge or somebody. So point being, we're rolling into the fifth ballot here. We'll see. No reason to believe that he's going to get it on this one. Here's, I think, their strategy. Their strategy is create pain to such a degree that McCarthy feels like he has to come to the table. And McCarthy comes to the table, and whoever is the spokesperson for the freaks says, basically, there's nothing you can give us. The only thing you can give us is another person. So come up with another person that you can give us, and then we'll give yeah. you the... T- and you know, and I, that's how... I, I, I think that seems like the most likely end. I think that there yeah. are other ends to this. But I enjoyed JVL's triad. And please, push back on me on this, JVL. But my response to your triad, which was like, I am logically gaming out the different ways that this thing could go. And, you know, if you look at, there are more marbles in in Kevin's jar than there are marbles in the other jar. And there are more outs for Kevin, you know, as if it's a poker hand. I I just think that Matt Gates has the nuts, you know. And it's like, Kevin might have the most outs, but, like, Matt Gates has the nuts. And he's going to keep going until Kevin gives in. I mean, this is the problem, right? The McCarthy's fundamental problem is that he is so compromised from the way he's conducted himself over the last six years that it is impossible for him to convince people that he is willing to go all the way, which is what he needs to be able to do, right? This is he needs to be able to convince people that he is perfectly willing to blow up the conference and sit there for two months if that's what's required because he's got five people in his pocket who are always Kevin. You know, not never Kevin's, but always Kevin. And that there ain't nobody else. There ain't nobody else who can get this. And the truth is, this is what I think is actually underappreciated slightly. You know, we're talking about like, oh, it's a fifth ballot. I think we could wind up with 25 ballots. I mean, I think this could go for a week or more. And while in the short term, the beginning of this is the what? Well, I'm, I'm getting a little hot and bothered over here. I'm sorry. Don't kind of throw don't, 25 don't ballots at, at me. me. That's just no. Don't I'm not laugh laughing. I'm me. just I'm getting flush. It's like it's like it's you like put turning him on. on he's screen. like he's like oh my god, 25. <laughs> like give it to me. Exactly. I think that in the beginning of this, the pressure and the blowback is all on McCarthy, but as it drags on. I think it the the it shifts to the defectors. And because this isn't a straight, as you guys said, is not a straight establishment versus MAGA, but is a like all of Republican Inc. versus like 20 people from the entertainment complex. I think that that eventually can be very, very hard for them, right? To have National Review and Bannon and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Trump and Hannity and the Wall Street Journal editorial page, all of those forces aligned against you, like saying you are doing exactly what Nancy Pelosi wants. Can I just say that something about Tim's formulation, he said Gates has the nuts and I know what he means, but like think about it. It's true in a different way, which is he doesn't need the Wall Street Journal page because he's got like the crazy people. And and like he has the the nuts in the right wing <laughs> oh. media. Got there are three ways. The nuts nuts make That's sense right. in three ways here. Yeah. Yeah. This is a many entendre. Yeah. A many entendre. And like these are chaos agents, right? So they don't care. He doesn't care if the Wall Street Journal editorial page is mad at him. This is what he understood from Trump is that like just the act of fighting 
that you gain more name recognition. He's in the driver's seat. He wants this to go as long as possible. He's the center of attention. And you know how much email he's getting right now from voters, from the base going, keep it up. Give it, give it to that cock McCarthy. I, I hate him. Look, Madison Cawthorn is the cautionary tale here, right? I mean, you can do everything you want until you start screwing with the actual party itself and hurting the party. And that's when people lose it. And I think you could wind up in a position where a bunch of these defectors realize that their political careers are over if they don't find some way to declare victory and then get on board. And that's the other thing is they can declare victory. They can say, we made our point. We hurt them. We got X, Y, Z. And the McCarthy's reign will be short-lived anyway. We won this. They can plausibly say that. They have an out, right? Well, two thoughts on that. One, I think that the Madison Cawthorn's cardinal sin was not going against the party. It was being pictured in lingerie. Looking yeah. like a faggot. Really? Is that what I think what this Cardinal Sun was? Yeah. He, he became an embarrassment. He was embarrassing. He wasn't fighting he was for, embarrassing. Yeah. like, fighting against the rhinos. He was just, yeah, he was an embarrassment. Yeah, he was an idiot. He, he, no, yeah, he was, like, narking on. Yeah, but I, I know that's what made Kevin go after him. But he was also, like, naked humping right. his cousin. Like, yeah, there was a, exactly. like, that was the stuff that was coming out. Exactly, by the way. I, that's why I had a soft spot for Madison at the end. Like, I was like, this this guy is going to be the one that you guys throw out. <laughs> <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene, she gets a committee. She gets a she committee. Gets a committee. Yeah. Anyway, just don't want to forget to say this. So I apologize for slightly changing the subject. But I think the other big takeaway from all this about Matt Gates and this crew is they've demonstrated that they are in charge of this conference, no matter who that's the speaker right. is. And I think that that's like, like the rest of this, which is why it's kind of fun, Schadenfreude, because it doesn't, it kind of doesn't matter whether McCarthy is the speaker or you know, Scalise or whoever the hell they call Jim Jordan. It kind of doesn't matter because like the speaker is the crazies. Like the crazies have shown that they are in charge. They won't let anything happen. And so unless the, you know, you can get into a West Wing fantasy, what we're headed towards is a situation where whoever ends up being the speaker, something will happen between now and 2025 where they will need democratic votes. Might happen next month. Might happen during a government shutdown. Might happen over Ukraine. Might happen when something unforeseen happens. Like that's just the way things work, right? Like something will happen where a person with even a modicum of responsibility will realize we have to do something and we have five anarchists or 19 or 20. And so we need democratic votes and they'll get one shot at that and then they'll be out, right? Like back in the day, Boehner, you know, used that card three times, four times, five times and eventually got pushed out. Right. Like the power has shifted to the crazy caucus. And I think that is like what we've really learned from this. Yeah. And because, as we've said on the show for years now, it's because that's where the voters are. Right. Those are the nuts that Gates has. You know, like Nancy Pelosi can be Nancy Pelosi because your median Democratic voter is like a pretty normal-ish person. And your median Republican base voter right now isn't. Right. And you, you people get the parties they they want. This is the Republican Party that Republican voters want. Bobert is up renominating Byron Donalds right now on the fifth ballot. Uh, meanwhile, Byron Donalds is on Fox while she's nominating him. He's on Fox. <laughs> Because everybody's like, oh, who's this person? <laughs> like, He's a two-term. I just have to say this really quick. He is a two-term congressman. This is his second term. Okay, As I said, in 2000, he pled guilty to a felony bribery charge. Okay, the, He was then elected to the Florida House where they expunged his record. Okay, Nice deal you got down there in Florida. 
All right. He replaced Francis Rooney. Sarah, you remember Francis Rooney? Yeah, I do. He was one of the good ones. He's a normie. Francis Rooney got run out on a rail because he expressed openness to voting for impeachment. Mm-hmm. Francis was a Jeb endorser, so I knew him a little bit. I remember texting him during that time. He wasn't even actually on board for impeachment. He ended up voting for impeachment, I think, by memory serves. But he wasn't like fully on board. He just kind of gave a, I, I, I think we should wait and hear out the facts on whether the president was like threatening an ally <laughs> in order to like dig up dirt on his political opponents. Like he gave one of those answers. They ran him out on a fucking rail. Okay, now yeah. he's replaced by this Byron Donald. Future Speaker of the House. You know, who's being used by all these lunatics, you know, as a front person for their anarchy. Like that just little anecdote, right? Like that's just a little four-year window into like how the party has continued to devolve during the Trump era, right? And, and like how there's a di- even, a, even a meaningful difference between 2019 and now in a worse way for what the conference situation is. You guys, let me read you the funniest thing. Please. Former rep Justin Amash is here to spectate. I love this stuff. I wish this had happened when I was in Congress. I might as well be here. I think I would make a great candidate for speaker. So Amash just came into the chamber. Can this just happen? Can you just yeah. go to the chamber right now? You get right floor now? access if you're a former rep. Liz could so do this. So Amash just rolls in to be like, I'm here in case anybody <laughs> wants an outside speaker. <laughs> Which, to be fair, Amash makes more sense than this other guy, this one-term congressman. He does. No, I didn't like his nice tweet about Andy Biggs yesterday. He said something. I think I, I, Amash, I, part of this, I think he kind of seriously thinks so. This would be more funny if it was a troll. But I think he thinks he might have a chance. I think he's in Jim oh, Carrey, no. so you're saying oh, you have a chance no. moment here right now. Uh, Sebastian just gave us a note. Bobert, after the nominating speech, turns to McCarthy and says, Trump should call him to tell him he doesn't have the votes. <laughs> Daddy should call you. You don't have the votes. <laughs> Oh, You're going to need congressional approval and you don't have the votes. I'm glad you did that, Sarah, because that has been going through my mind <laughs> literally <laughs> on too. loop since, <laughs> since yesterday at noon. I guess the, the big question in the question which will decide whether or not there is pressure on McCarthy to withdraw is how much of a difference does it make being on the fifth vote versus the 20th vote? I think the real politique perspective of this is that it makes very little difference. The marginal difference between if you are team normal, meaning like anybody even in the MAGA establishment at this point, taking the loss and the weakness of having your side lose this joust is much, much worse than going through an extra week or two weeks of the fighting. And that once you've like entered into this world that we're in now, the difference between five votes and 25 votes is negligible. Do you think that's how people see it? Is that correct? Is it incorrect? So here's the thing. I read your triad today. I thought it was excellent. You did? Yeah, it's, it's a fun way of breaking it down. I think one thing that you miss is like the genuine human element of getting to 20, if they're on to 25. So one of the things that a lot of people are tweeting about already is like, press is getting prepared and staff is getting prepared to be here all weekend. Let me tell you about these guys. 
these guys are not workhorses. These guys are not going to sit through roll call vote after roll call vote and nothing changes. Like the pressure will become enormous on a Friday <laughs> and it will literally come down to we have to go home or like even like what most of them get out of there Thursday afternoon, right, to go back to their districts. So like that kind of stuff, those practical things are really going to start to matter in this. These guys are also so reactive to their feelings and the moods of the moment. Not, you know, Mitch McConnell is like cold-blooded, right? But most of these guys, like just thinking back, and I'm sure Sarah has anecdotes like this too, to the Trump era. I'd get texts from friends, from congressmen, from people who advise congressmen, like, you know, after Helsinki or after Trump did something that's like, this might be the last straw. You know what I mean? I, I get those. Like, and it, it's because... Like, they'd be getting a lot of mean emails. They'd be getting a lot of questions for press. They'd be annoyed in the moment, right? And they're reactive to that. And and then, like, things would die down and they'd go back to normal, right? And th these were the ebbs and flows of what we went through for five years. That is true here, too, right, where some of these wavering people will start to go, start to, go to Kevin and be like, I'm out, right? Like, I can't do this anymore, you know, because they don't think about – they don't have the distance that you have, JBL, to say that there's, like, no really meaningful difference between five and 25 votes and in the grand scheme of things if they just chill out and wait a week and play Wordle, like, you know, it'll all come out in a wash. Like, they, a lot of these guys are, are humans with emotions that just they, – they don't, they don't have the ability to have that distance. And I think that, that the pressure will mount on some of them to, to go. But because they don't have somebody else, it doesn't matter if they go to him and say – boy, I'm out. Because if he stays there, they don't have anybody else to go to. They'll come back. The reality is he does get in and then it's over, right? Like, this is kind of the point. It's sort of meaningless, right? Like it's only meaningful in the sense that he gets his portrait. He gets his portrait and then he's out again by May, right? Like that's the best case scenario for him. That's why I keep coming back to that. That makes the most sense from the game theory scenario, because in that way, both sides win, right? His allies win. He wins and the dissidents and the defectors also win. Like everybody can actually walk away from that claiming victory or some part of victory. And so that seems like the most likely. This is the other thing. Again, if you are a part of that conference, you're Scalise. It is one thing to take over the chair when you're ready. It is another thing to come in hobbled, right? You're then asking yourself to get just kicked in the nuts. Right. And like, I don't know that I would be willing to do that. You want to take these guys and you want to, want to break their legs, right, before you agree to be put under their dominion. This is why I'm not sure anybody can give at this point except McCarthy. Right. And let me tell you two things. One is he said, I will never agree to the motion to vacate, right? But he did. So we already know that Kevin McCarthy says never and then folds. And they could say, well, we don't want it to be five members to vacate. We want it to be one person. Any one person can do it. At some point, they're like, just give us Scalise. Just give us some consensus. And to me, that makes more sense than the 20 buckling for McCarthy when all he's going to do is retaliate, right? That Because that's one of the things they wanted. They wanted amnesty from retaliation. You can't guarantee that. You can say it, though, right? You can say that there's amnesty and then screw them when you're on the way out the door. I, but they I, know that. They know that. They know it's yeah. gone too far. I'm not sure they can come back now. Looks like he lost Ken Buck on the fifth ballot. So things are things are going the wrong direction for old Kev. Hate to see it. Really do. Hate mm. to see Hate it. Hate to see it, man. All right. Well, listen, more of this will come out of the wash. It's been a good show. It's been a long show. You guys should come out and see us. Tim and Sarah and I are going to be in Los Angeles on January 19th. We're going to be in Seattle, the Emerald City, on January 21st. 
you should come and hang with us. We want to see you. We want to meet you. I can promise a good time. We want to meet you. We're going to have Johnny Favreau with us. Not the director of the Iron Man series and Elf, but the Obama speechwriter and podcaster in Los Angeles. We'll have Dan Savage in Seattle. I don't know what these venues are like, but I'll just tell you, when we did this live show in D.C., we, like, hung out and had drinks after, like, with all the people. Well, I won't be able to drink with all the Xanax coursing through my veins, but uh, <laughs> but I will be super chill. I'm going to be super chill and ready to glad hand. Yeah. Sarah, Tim, good to see you guys. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye. Bye.